Hello and welcome to the Cisco Technology Podcast. It's me, Justin Mullen, and we're back. We're back. The couple. The couple. <laughs> the couple. Okay, we could be a couple if you'd like. The couple, yeah, yeah, the podcast couple. The podcast couple. Yeah, the it's odd been... podcast couple. Well, you, you, you kind of, you know, I thought I'd upset you. You upset me at all. It's just marketing got hold of the podcast and made me, made me do ones without you. Blame, blame marketing. I am going to blame marketing. Marketing, you are blamed. Yeah. Exec producer right. Sophie Robinson. It's all her fault. Oh, it's all her fault. Yes. Okay. Apparently so. Plus, plus you just didn't want to talk about any more security. Is, well, is you, you were turning into a bit of one trick pony, but well, you know. We've got security. more to do. We've got more to do. We've, we've got others. We've got, got, we've got a couple of more in the... Uh, in the bag. Yeah, in the... Well, no, no, none in the bag. They're in the in the pipeline. In the pipeline. Okay. Yeah. So, why why are we... Oh, sorry, to say hello. Hello and welcome to the Cisco Technology <laughs> Podcast. We're back. If you want to contact the show, at Justin Woolen or justin.woolen at email.com. No, at cisco.com. Man, <laughs> you are tired today. I, I, uh, yes. I'm a little bit. It's off to the bank holiday weekend, isn't it? Yeah, um, it. There's a bit of a lull in the room. There Just, is... No, it's not. No, 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 we're going to get the energy up. It, it's, it's fine, it's high. It'll be high for the end of the podcast and then I'll just crash and just be really tired. I had a very busy weekend, it was my anniversary. Congratulations. And, yeah, 19 years. Hello Karen, I love you. Um, the, not that she listens. Um, That's very yeah. disappointing. Well, yeah, I even called that to my kids on, the, on my daughter. Yeah, I remember. On my last one. And she didn't listen. No, nah, she don't listen. Uh, she wasted, doesn't care. Wasted. Anyway, so uh, uh, if anybody can ever guess on why we're we're, the, we're back with Mark, the we're, co-host. We're going to talk about co-host. We're going to talk about collaboration. No, no, we're not no. going to talk about collaboration. We're not going to talk about data center. We're going to talk about security. Security. Yay! But it's not in a good way because something bad's happened, something and we bad. thought we better do a podcast about it because it's really important. It is. It is. Um, should we tell? Should we say what it is yet? We can talk about. I, well, I think. Probably people can guess, but it's not a phone-in show, so it's you know the interactivity's kind of lost. Yeah, yeah, we do get people emailing in, and we do, we, we do. do. So we're talking about wanna cry, wanna cry, wanna cry. Not good. Yeah, it was very bad. So very I remember sat at home on a Friday, mm. working from home, working mm. very diligently with Sky News on in the background yep. and other news channels are available, mm-hmm. and seeing it all kick off yep. and thinking, oh my goodness. I told you, we did a podcast on this over a year ago, and they didn't blooming listen. And look what happens. I'd like to say it was all our fault because they didn't listen to the podcast. Yeah, that was it. That was exactly the reason why it happened. That's it. There's Not enough listeners. Self, self-plugging self there <laughs> of our podcast. We should do, all you should have just done it to do when you have speak to customers going, well, I did tell you about the podcast. Mm, if you didn't listen, that's your did. choice. Mm, that's it. Anyway, so back onto a serious note then. Back onto a serious note. So, so yeah, it all kind of kicked off uh, a couple of weeks ago. 12th of May, I think it was the exact date. Uh, I was, uh, I, I found myself in the midst of an interesting Danala service attack from my colleagues who I think had all received the BBC news alert at the same time and suddenly had about... I don't know, seven or eight people all trying to call me at the same time saying, have you seen the news? Didn't you, you, didn't you call yourself? Didn't you say that you had a denial of service attack? I did. I was dosed. I was dosed by my colleagues. Um, I was denial Not of in the sense attack. of you actually had a proper denial of service attack. No, it was, I it had was so many phone calls. Yeah. Everything just keeled yeah, over. And I wasn't even in the midst of the attack. So, so I can only imagine what the folks on the ground felt like as things started to really... Yeah propagate around their environments and PC started dropping because that can't have been fun so I was on very much the periphery and still felt a certain pinch of just leave me alone and let me get on with it yeah um which was kind of kind of interesting um but yeah I mean it all kicked off um kind of mid-afternoon as far as I was concerned from 
uh, on that Friday. Uh, so what did you do? Did you just did you, would somebody phone you up, or was it just well, like I, an email, or did you just spot the news like everybody else? Well, did? I got the news alert on my on my uh, on my phone from BBC, and uh, so that's two of the major news outlets we've covered. There you go. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, you just kind of said you know major cyber attack on the NHS, usual things. I thought, oh, okay. I've spent many a year working with the health sector. I thought, what's this all about? And um, yeah, then I got a call from most of the systems engineering, two of the systems engineering managers, one from the sales director. I then got an email from our country manager and yeah, just just a whole bunch of different bits and pieces all coming in saying, have you seen the news? Um, to which I obviously responded, well, yes. Um, and then started trying to understand what was going on and, uh, and, and help try to coordinate some of the communications internally on it. So just let people know what was going on, what we were doing and what the story was. Because those, I think, I've never been in the middle of something like that, or not in the middle of it. Uh, it sounds too grandiose, but you know, even on the periphery of something. But, but as the as our security architect in public mm. sector, you people will come to you first, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so yeah. Even though yeah. you're not there trying to fix it no, for no, no, customers, no. and we will it's, talk about mm, what, that, it what it is and all that sort of thing. As a security yeah. expert within within Cisco. You were bombarded because yes, people are looking so. for you for advice. How yeah. do they give advice to yeah. customers when customers fo- if customers phone up or when they do phone up? Yeah. What, what do we, we what do saying? what do we say? Yeah. What do we do? Yeah, all of that kind of stuff, all of the above. So, so that was why I found myself in 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 the middle of it. So, so should we talk about what it is and what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just make so, sure. so what is WannaCry? What is WannaCry? So WannaCry is the it's another one of those great names that people give to uh, to malware. Um, you know, so we've had uh, you know kind of Heartbleed and all these kind of things, and, and okay. it's got its own icon now, which is, is one it? of the emojis with a oh, it's a crying yeah, yeah. emoji. Um, it's not really a malware outbreak unless it's got its own emoji or uh, or an own icon now. Is that like the official that's thing? Is that? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and basically, it was uh, a ransomware. Uh, payload effectively so uh, when you found yourself infected with this malware um, your kind of most sensitive files all the important files you know Microsoft Docs all that sort of thing uh, were all encrypted and uh, you were uh, presented with a a lovely ransom note saying uh, you have a certain amount of time left in order to pay your ransom Um, I believe the initial ransom was for about $300 worth of bitcoins um, if you didn't pay within a certain time period that went up and I think that went up to about $600 um, and I think even if the timer went to zero then you were that was it that you know effectively it was game over and you weren't really ever going to get your files back um, so yeah so pretty nasty what what made this kind of unique though um, and I think what I guess we sort of predicted a little bit in the industry when ransomware was coming up was this was, I believe, the first time we've sort of seen a worm coupled with a ransomware payload. What do you mean by a worm? A worm. So if you cast your mind back to the early noughties, you might remember Conficker and Code Red and Nimda. Um, SQL Slammer, no, you obviously no. don't because you weren't really doing, no, okay. All right, so all, thank you all, for that. <laughs> that's all right, a little bit like trip down memory lane. So all of it these was were, for you. Yeah, they were interesting days. They were all uh, very rapidly spreading worms, effectively. So self-propagating malware. So unlike what we've seen probably over the last 10 or 15 years or 10 to 12 years where we've seen a lot of malware delivered via emails or yeah. essentially phishing scams, so people getting people to click on links mm-hmm. or drive-by downloads and, and things like that. So browsing the web, malvertising, things we've yeah. talked about on the podcast before. Um, this essentially was self-propagating. Um, so it went out, it looked for um, hosts to go and infect. It scanned 
um, found an open connection and attempted to exploit a known vulnerability, which we'll talk about in a second, um, to propagate itself and then infect that so machine. So worm in effect is, is something that is a, is a self-propagating piece Malware. of bad stuff. Self-propagating piece of bad stuff is probably a good way to describe it. Yeah. Right, okay. Because yeah. I'm just trying to get yeah, what I was trying to get to what 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 is a worm? Yes, and we've got self-propagating is, is, okay. is sort of it's the working its way around, looking for doing itself, no interaction necessary. Yeah, yeah. So it goes around. But a lot of the other malware, when you talk about malware, it's sort of going away. It's the very first thing it does is try to do like a phone, a dial home or mm. call home functionality to then pull down further malware. Correct. Well, this is a worm. It's just something that sits there, infecting something, crawls off, goes somewhere goes, else. Goes and affects another machine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it did It did have some characteristics of being able to be potentially remotely controlled, but that really wasn't the the primary characteristic of it. So the malware itself was, was kind of two parts. So the propagation bit was based on uh, an underlying vulnerability in the Microsoft operating system, so Windows XP, Windows 7, Windows 8, Server 2003, Server 2008, so quite a lot of variants in the Microsoft operating system, and it exploited the server message block SMB protocol, which yeah. uh, anybody who's been in IT will know um, with, I would say, some fondness, but mm-hmm. SMB is one of those protocols you can't really get away from in a Microsoft environment. Because um, of the file sharing. Because of the file sharing. Yeah, so sharing. if I want to share a document or... SMB, historically. Yeah. Um, and so what it would do is it would exploit a vulnerability that was announced around the sort of March time frame of this year. Um, yeah. So it was no, the, the underlying mechanism was this vulnerability in, in SMB. That was the way in which the malware, the, the worm propagated. So um, it was exploiting this known vulnerability in, in Windows operating systems to, to propagate. Once it had exploited that vulnerability, it then dropped the ransomware payload. Um, and that then executed and did all the, the nasty stuff around... Um, uh, around encryption and, and, mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. Okay, so that's that's the basic makeup of it um, of, of the malware. And then once it had infected, it would then use Tor, uh, Tor the which on- was the... the onion router. So Tor is often associated with the dark web. Yeah, yeah, because we talked about that. We talked about the dark web a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it would use uh, Tor to communicate with its command and control infrastructure. So a lot of malware campaigns tend to have as an associated command and control infrastructure to allow the malware yeah. writers to download additional payloads and do all sorts of other remote things. So it used Tor to do this. It's C two. It's command and control. Yeah. Um, in this, so that was the basic makeup of the of the malware itself. Um, so yeah, that was that was what happened. That was where it came from, and that's what it looked like. And and what's the the thing we've talked about um, malware before? It's not malware, but ransomware before. Yeah. It's it's we all thought it came via via email. We we're mm. saying like the problem lies. You mean you can just pick on people and undo them because that yeah. SMB. It's something that just propagated around. So where was the old patient zero then? Well, I guess that's that's the difficulty in finding this stuff out. Um, at the moment, I'm not aware of anybody who's indicated where patient zero actually was. The The impact was global. I think to date, there's about 300,000 infections, individual unique infections of the malware. Um, I've not heard anybody try and say the first, you know, the first infections came from or were landed at a particular location. We know of telecoms providers in Spain. We know of organisations in uh, in wider Europe that were hit. We know of organisations in the states. This wasn't, you know, a lot, there was a lot of speculation in the early hours that this was a highly targeted attack at the NHS, which was complete nonsense. It wasn't targeted at all. Um, they just happened to be unfortunate in the fact that they maintain, unfortunately, a lot of legacy Windows environments yeah. and 
you know, they have exposed... People had their XP out there, though, didn't they, still? Yeah, and, and actually some of the XP stuff was was interesting. So XP was still vulnerable, and Microsoft released an emergency patch, so normally Microsoft wouldn't patch... Yeah, XP. My, XP was vulnerable, but... It's, it's not even supported it's not anymore, supported. Is it? it? hasn't been supported for a while. Um, and, and there was a lot of criticism levied at the NHS, in particular, for their maintenance of a lot of XP estate. Um, but when you... What I saw over the, over the first few days of the outbreak... A lot, of it, a lot of the research community was saying, actually, we, we haven't actually got much success in infecting Windows XP-based machines in their testbed environments and things like this, where they were trying to analyze. They had far more success in Windows 7 infections. And okay. there was a report from Kaspersky, which implied that Windows 7 was by far the most exploited operating system based upon their research, um, 60, 70% of the... Ex- of the are we going to get in trouble talking about this? No, no, it's all in, this is all public domain. That's all right, all they're good. Domain. We are safe. Yeah, we're, we're safe. We're safe. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a consummate professional. <laughs> well, yeah. Apparently. Well, I'm not, though, so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, but what we do know is that, you know, not that many people seem to have paid the ransom, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, so how much, how much did, has, has been paid then from a ransom Well, what we believe, so the, I think there were about four, three or four Bitcoin wallets. Um, so this is sort of the mechanism through which the ransoms are paid. There's a, a sort of a unique identifier for a Bitcoin wallet. Um, and the ransom was kind of unusual in the sense that it had four static Bitcoin wallet identifiers that you would pay your ransom into, I believe, uh, which are all, you know, you could track transactions in and out of those wallets. And I think to date, Certainly, when I checked this morning, about one hundred and ten thousand dollars were collectively across those wallets. So not it's not huge, not a lot though, of money. is it? I mean, still more than you would hope. Yeah, but not a huge amount. Certainly not 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 sort of retiring type money. No, um, it's not really, is it? That's, um, compared to when you when when we last spoke, was it like thirty five million dollars oh, a year? You, yeah, the Angler Angler exploit kit, which was dropping yeah. a whole bunch of other malware, that was yeah to, in the in the tens of millions is what. So it's 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 just about. not from a revenue perspective, it wasn't that impactful. Considering no. we're talking about there is a whole industry out there doing yeah. this bad stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just impactful in the of the the spread of it, the spread of it, the speed with which it spread. Um, uh, and to an extent, certainly in the UK with the NHS, I think the disruption it caused because of the because of the response action. Um, you know what I seem to have picked up over the last few days, few weeks since it happened is that a lot of the disruption wasn't actually to do with the malware itself. It was the response action often um, because the response action in a lot of cases was not uh, was not highly targeted. It was let's just switch stuff off. Yeah. And that will stop us from being infected. And so, and, just and, like yeah, an an A and E department going right, turn all your computers turn all off, your systems off, and and that's kind of a blunt response action, really. Um, it works, and it was reasonably effective in in controlling stuff. But but when you're dealing with a twenty four by seven, but the only way, the interest, yeah, the thing that you talk about it, and you say from an SMB perspective. Mm. And it once it's inside your network, it's going to propagate around because SMB there's an SMB vulnerability. How yeah. do you patch something without turning it on? Well, do you know it might sound yeah, yeah, stupid, yeah, yeah. but yeah, if I, yeah. if your response is right, we'll turn everything off. Yeah, but yeah, then how yeah. do you if there's still one device, yeah, one machine that's been infected? Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you mean you've got to find out what that machine is, yeah. and and then it just. Yeah, how do you, you solve that? It's it just it's, it's 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 hard. It, it is hard, and and I think that was the the fear on the Monday. So after so it all happened on the Friday, and then over the weekend, uh, a lot of people had systems disabled, and part of that challenge and part of the warning on the Monday was a lot of people are going to come back in, turn machines on, start to try and do the recovery process. Over you know sort of following the weekend, 
and we might see a sudden spike in infections as as machines that aren't actually patched come online and then suddenly find themselves being probed and then you know uh, exploited via this you know via this malware that they might not have completely eradicated from the environment so now actually we didn't see that happen so clearly there was a lot of good work had happened prior to that Monday. There wasn't a sudden spike yeah, so, as people so, thought. But there's any, do you have a view of how would you solve that? So if you say, right, everyone turns your computer off, mm. but how do you make sure that it does... How, how do you stop it happening, though? How would you stop that? Well, I think I think this is where where I think I, I kind of... I'll go and get my soapbox out. Go on, no, that's fine. It wouldn't be a podcast with you if you didn't have your soapbox. A virtual soapbox. I think the question of how do you stop it is the wrong question. I'm reminded of iRobot at that point. That's the wrong question, Detective Spooner. Um, uh, for those uh, film fans in the audience, um, you know, it was on it, the other week as well. Sorry, that was on the other week. Oh, was it? It's yeah. a good film. It's a good film. Um, but it is the wrong question because if we're if we're seeking the answer to that question, the reality is is we're not going to prevent it in the future. No, but the bit is that, that just flabbergasting me is going right. Flabbergasting. If, I, if I'm turning off my computers, yeah, to try and stop the infection. Yeah. I've got to turn them on and then patch them. So is it just basically you take you isolate that machine off the network? Yeah, yeah. You, you, isolate the segment or something like that, and physically going it, around. Yeah, unplug it, and then with a USB stick, USB stick, a USB stick, and that was my South African version. I was going to say, yeah, where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know we were doing silly accents today. <laughs> Every day's a silly accent, anyway. Okay. And then plugging in a USB stick with a patch on and doing it that way. Basically. Is that, that uh, yeah? I mean, that's that's what I hear is the. The general response, which is why it was, you know, so hard for both customers and partners, because a lot of it was very much a manual, and, and of course for machines that were infected, it wasn't just a case of, you know, you got to rebuild it, you got to wipe that machine, rebuild, rebuild it. it, it's rebuild it, from and then scratch. and then back it back up, and not yeah, back it up, the back up recover. probably less of an issue because a lot of people aren't storing stuff on local machines. It's you know, it's on file shares and things yeah. like that, which wouldn't have been infected. But for those that were. Uh, and, and backups work. So it's quite a, it's quite, it's a bit of a blunt instrument, but but yeah. I think it, it, it feels like it's a bit of a blunt instrument that managed to go in and do a huge amount of damage because they're using that SMB protocol. But yeah. once inside your network, that's something that's totally open. Yep. And allowed to cause a huge amount of disruption, not for a huge amount of revenue. Yep. And can be solved in a by by going around and patching your machines. Much, yeah. Um. But cause huge amounts of disruption, though. Lots of disruption, lot, and and also lots of misinformation as well. Lots of oh, right, okay. Lots of press. And that's and, why we have the podcast. Well, that's why we have the podcast. It, it's just it was amazing actually how much misinformation there was in the early hours. So, give us an example of that in, misinformation. I, a lot of it was around how the initial infection vector uh, occurred. So, up until even as late as Wednesday, so it all happened on Friday. Even as late as Wednesday, there was still reputable outlets um, in the sort of security research area who were still implying that there might have been an email-based infection vector. So it might have come in via email, um, despite the fact the rest of the evidence pointed to completely the opposite. You did see a lot of security consultants on the news. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Oh, yes, and, we're, and they'd, they'd get somebody, a reporter would interview them and, and they go, and yeah, yes, and we're helping to do this. Yeah. And they're going, ooh, it just felt a bit slightly yeah, mercenary. Yeah, and it's a really difficult one because, you know, to, for me personally, I think, you know, especially when you see an organisation like the NHS being here, it, you just you just get involved and, and try and help wherever you can. And, and, and I wasn't personally kind of called upon for that, but I hope that those organisations out there did just 
in a very altruistic fashion. Did the right thing. Just do the right thing. Um, yeah. You know, this is our NHS, and and I think we should all feel very protective over it. As much as we can point fingers and blame about the fact they maintain a legacy, I think there's uh, the folks in there do an awful lot. Yeah, of yeah, good they do. And, all, and yeah, and it's you know, it's 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 challenging, it's isn't it? You I mean IT is always a, a yeah. strapped budget. It will always be one that will be. Um, put under a microscope and why are you spending this money? Why do you need this money? Oh, where absolutely. where service users, uh, clinicians, mm-hmm. budget holders most probably don't, don't see don't see the, the value of what's coming yeah. from IT. Yeah. Um, us in IT industry, we could say, have a different point of view on that. But it is challenging. You mean, it do is. you pay, when you've got a limited budget, do you pay for a, a, a doctor or a nurse or, 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 or for other service? Or do you spend on IT? And it's, it's a difficult thing to do. Yeah. And, I, and I don't want this to be a... This podcast is not about that because no, it no, is no. just about keeping people up to understand yeah, and get yeah, a bit more of the yeah. the uh, the Mark Jackson view of, of what happened. Absolutely, yeah. So it's 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 a difficult industry to be in, and everyone in there does a great job yeah. because it's 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 just it's just a difficult thing to yeah, do, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. The other the other thing I think is worth pointing out, and and this was uh, also I guess partly the reason why we didn't get the spike over the week, you know, over the sort of early part of the the week following the, yeah. the major outbreak, was the uh, the now famed kill switch. Um, the, a researcher, uh, a young researcher, um, who was that I, out in Cornwall or something like that? Was he it? was out on the? I think he was out, on the he's out surfing or something like that, wasn't he? I, no, 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 no. The, again, there's a lot one. of misinformation about this. Um, I, I kind of feel for the guy. He, uh, you know, young lad, worked for a, a US kind of security research company. Clearly, highly capable in doing what he did, um, but has essentially. Uh, I just, I just, the amount of press interest in him as an individual you know you know camping out of his house to try and get interviews with him and uh posting pictures of him uh, even though he kind of genuinely wanted to remain fairly anonymous you know a lot of security researchers don't really like their you know picture being posted all over all mm-hmm. over the, the world's media and you know, of course you know certain newspaper outlets want to know who these people are and and make their you know work damn hard to to, to do that and and so i feel kind of sorry for him because he was just obviously heralded as a hero but that in itself also meant that they were incredibly invasive um so yeah the guy basically writes the, so he found the kill switch then yeah uh, well he said he found it what he found is when he was uh, analyzing the malware the first thing that the malware did when it infected is it went and did a dns lookup for yeah. an unregistered domain so as a researcher um that i mean that's quite quite a common thing for a lot of a lot of malware and as a researcher the first thing he did is he went and registered the domain and as soon um, as he registered it, and as soon as he registered, what he what he found uh, was the I think if if you read it, there was a good write up that he put on his own blog, uh, which is the uh, malware tech blog, um, uh, because he you know kind of put put quite an interesting blog of of how they sort of evolved when he was doing the mm. research and how he sort of I want to say stumbled upon, but but essentially managed to do this without really fully understanding or fully getting the implications of it. Um, but he registered the domain, and in doing so, the first thing the uh, malware did is check this domain uh, and then tried to connect to it. But by registering it, actually meant that the malware didn't execute. So because it, was, it worked out that it was being analysed. Yeah. yeah. So, so in a way, it was um, it was an anti sandbox technique. Yeah, yeah, so yeah of, that's it. Yeah, yeah, an anti a lot of malware when they're as analysts, as researchers, you you will try and run it in a sandboxed environment, which means you won't really allow it to connect to the outside world. So what you often do is just spoof the connection responses. So it might go and talk to a command and control service. So you'll sort of simulate some sort of and response. Is that, and the reason to do that, though, is so you can't analyse the actual executable. Correct. Because if it's I'm not, not ex- executing. Because if I just kill itself, yeah. 
then you yeah. can't find out what I've done and what yeah. I can do. Yeah. So, so for example, and build a and build a, a patch. Yeah. Yeah, and and so a lot, you know, a lot of this obviously is, is automated analysis. So if you look at Cisco's threat grid, our cloud sandboxing technology, you know, we're throwing all sorts of things into that sandbox environment, running and executing it, trying to understand what happens. Um, and of course, if you've got very sophisticated anti-sandbox techniques, then you you the you know, an executable that lands in there never really detonates, and ne- you never really see all the artifacts that it then tries to tries to do. This was a pretty crude mechanism where all it was doing was trying to connect to this domain. Uh, as soon as that domain was responded to, it just the malware didn't execute, and that was the yeah. other thing. They sync hold the domain, so they effectively allowed queries against that domain to happen. It was now a registered domain on the internet, and so even if you were infected, it would it would just wouldn't actually uh, yeah, yeah. encrypt. But then, because he didn't he register it, and well, I read in a couple of blogs, and I saw some of them from uh, there was Talos. They did a blog, yeah. but also the National Cybersecurity Agency. They did, they the did one, and they yeah. and they yeah. said they used um, they used Open DNS because yeah, they, they, they registered it and then used Open DNS to track to kind it, of track it, yeah, to see yeah. how many. Because every time there was a connection, was one device that had been or one host that had been affected, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was quite interesting. You saw, um, uh, in fact, even now, if you if you have access to the Umbrella Investigate tool, which is one of the, the analyst tools within the Umbrella product. Um, you can put in that domain and you can see the spike of DNS requests happening that Friday afternoon or that Friday uh, and you just see it nothing beforehand and then all of a sudden you see it shoot almost vertically yeah. um, as, as the infection started to take off. So it was, he, he did call out having you know looked at, the, at that tool to uh, to help you know, aid the investigation, which was kind of interesting as well. So, wow. so that I think those those couple of things that you know come into play in terms of the malware itself and how it's protected against and, and so on and so forth. So, I'm going to ask the uh, sixty-four thousand dollars question. So, who did it then? Not me. Oh, I don't know. When you, that's not hard, is it? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, again, it's like all these things. It's really hard to, uh, you know, attribute anything. Um, there are various things in the press at the moment. Um, one research organisation is uh, is is pointing the finger firmly in the direction of North Korea, um, and and they're doing that based upon the fact that some of the some of the code used in the malware looks remarkably similar to that used in the Sony hack. Uh, oh, right, okay. What, 18 months or so ago, two years ago, um, which, of course, is, is attributed, or certainly a lot, many believe that that was attributed to North Korea. Um, and then I saw a, another attribution believing that it was China. Um, right, okay. And, and that, was, that was attributed because the ransomware payload carried 20 or so different languages. Um, and the suggestion was that only the English and the Chinese versions of the ransom note seemed to be non-machine generated. Um, you know, the implication was that all of the rest were shoved through a Google Translate or something like that. So, oh, right, okay. you know, through that type of evidence. So is that, say, that terrible they? that they don't even work out the, the, yeah. the ransom messages themselves? It's either in English or Chinese yeah, and, and then, then everything else is... Google Translate or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and you know that... My son does that. Yeah, well, why not? When he was doing languages, you go, you could the spot yeah. when he was doing it through Google Translate because exactly. it's terrible. Yeah, because it's terrible, and and that's sort of what they're they're thinking that maybe the, the individuals who were behind it were potentially native uh, Mandarin speakers and and so on and so forth. So again, really hard to attribute uh, any kind of malware to any kind of direction because it, well, it just is. Um, okay. So we just don't know uh, whether we'll ever find out. Who knows? But. Those are the two current working theories that are floating around in the industry, oh, okay. which is kind of fun. It's not hard to work that out, though. You could have just thrown them in anyway. I, yeah, you, yeah. Dear me. So we've uh, so we know what it was. Mm. We know what it was made up of. We know how it propagated around. 
and we don't know really who who started we it. Who it. We don't know who did it. No. So what? What's um? You mean how do we how do we stop this happening again? Well, or how do how how did customers stop it? Or yeah, how do you I, stop it? You a, a lot of the time, uh, it was exactly as we were talking about earlier. It was it was turning stuff off. Um, you know, it was disabling portions of the network, taking taking systems out of action. Um, a pretty blunt response action, really. Unfortunately, it, it, you know, to me, there are far more elegant ways of of probably handling an in, handling an incident like this. Um, you know, leveraging various tools and techniques. But I think to me that that's how people stopped it. It was it was panic, turn stuff off, disconnect stuff, and then go around patching and remediating on a on a somewhat slower cycle, manual cycle, um, you know, during that kind of recovery phase. And that's what people were doing. Um can you stop it? I don't think so. Uh you know, I firmly believe, as I think the industry does, that that bad things will happen. Um patching is the easiest thing to say and probably the hardest thing to do. You know, because it the, is so many endpoints though, isn't it? If you've got, I don't know, three thousand computers in a, in a hospital trust i don't know if that's an accurate number i just made it up but if you've got that many computers yeah and, and sometimes uh patching patching's hard you know you, and why is it hard though well yeah, compatibility you know you look at uh, if you if you're looking at the average desk i mean how many operate how many um applications have you got running on your cisco issued it you know you, you probably count 50 60 different applications when you start to look mm. all the word applications adobe pdf flash java okay all the operations you know you start to look across I mean, all no, so you're talking about because you talk about patching of applications as well as operating systems because well, in my head i was thinking patching of operating systems yeah but you patch the os and you break something because you know i mean how many times do you say i mean you get you'll see the note on your you know shiny macbook don't upgrade to the latest version of mac os because we haven't tested compatibility of that with all of the various so you don't get a chance of, yeah so you know we don't always i mean security patches are less impactful typically but that's always the fear and, and you've got to imagine that we exist in an it estate inside cisco where yeah we've got a pretty streamlined and up-to-date it estate but you reflect that back to the nhs and you've got a lot of legacy in there for lots of reasons yeah um you know, sometimes you just can't patch. If you do patch stuff, it breaks things, or you can't patch. Is there any way to make patching easier, though? Because it just... <laughs> not not really, no. I mean, So patching yeah. is hard. Patching is hard, period. And it's never going to get any easier. And I, don't, I, I think it will get easier over time, but again, you've still got that long tail of legacy to deal with. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's one of those areas that people are continuing to focus down on, and you know, it, is it, it will improve. Is it just an easy finger to point at, patching? It, it, it's the right finger to point. It's the right thing to say that people should patch. Um, but what it, what I think it misses is actually the the kind of crux of the problem, which is actually it's not a question about how do we prevent this. Uh, and I sort of got all half half onto my soapbox earlier on. You know, I don't. I think we're asking the wrong question about prevention because you're not going to be able to prevent it. If, if you know, if your executives are saying, "How do I stop this from happening in the future?" Then the measurement they're giving you is wrong because you're it's not you, patching you isn't can't it? yeah i mean patching's part of the solution but you've also got to accept actually what we need to get better at is improving cyber resilience and that's the buzzphrase that's going around it, it's well how do i you know identify contain and remediate as quickly as i possibly can because bad things will happen but what will stand my organization aside is firstly being able to rapidly identify what's going on yeah target and contain that so i know right that machine or those 10 machines over there are infected so actually being able to understand not just target but understanding the extent of the infection absolutely so i can then 
contain- so you don't turn off everything else. You don't yeah. turn off. You you just yeah. You turn off or you target or you isolate the ones that the machines ones that, that you know, know about. And that, that must be quite difficult, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm not saying these again. I'm not saying these things are easy, but of course that that approach will kind of transcend all sorts of different types of things. You know, whether that could just be a network fault that's you know, got you know spanning tree type. You know, those sorts of things. You've got some way of having the visibility that something bad's happening. And then be able to wrap your arms around it and say, right, I can draw a dotted line around that. You know, I was trying to give an analogy of, I don't know, it's like a putting up a police cordon or something. You know, put a dotted line around it to make yeah. sure I can contain that threat in an isolated portion of the network. And then the rest of my environment, you know, the rest of the city can yeah. carry on going by, you know, nothing to see here. Go mm-hmm. about your jobs. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that that's that's the thing you've, you know, I think that's where we need to probably be spending more time and attention looking at is saying, okay, absolutely. Patching, legacy management, all those things need to be solved. But actually, what what this has taught me, what I think it should teach everybody, is there's there's got to be a better way of containing, identifying, containing, and then responding and remediating these kind of issues. Def- for my mind, it so feels like it's going into defense in depth, isn't it? You yeah, can't absolutely got to have multiple ways of spotting, containing, remediating yeah. any sort of attack on your network. Yeah. Or yeah. any sort of malware on your network. Yeah, and and again, it's that whole. Uh, it isn't just about firewalls because you know, frankly, it's already breached the firewall in the case it's of inside because it's Cause inside. That's the security, so now isn't what? It? Right. Okay. Well, what have we got to control it inside? Well, hopefully, you've got this big shiny Cisco network that you have invested in that's got a million and one features in it beyond just switching packets. Yeah. And and I think that's slightly unfortunately. I've not heard anybody uh, say, "Oh, you know what I did." I used the network to understand what was going on. And to give you analytical information. To give you analytical information and also to put in, God, even if it was as simple as putting an access control list on a VLAN. You know, the simplest thing in the world in many respects to be able to say, right, deny you know, TCP 445 between this VLAN and that VLAN. And, yeah. and again, simple thing to say. I know networks are very complicated. The structures that we've built over the years, very, very complicated. But these are some free things, essentially, that are in your... Yeah, they've always been there. They've always been there. They've always been there. And I think that's a lesson that we need to take away is, is probably trying to figure out, actually, there's some really great capability there that could be leveraged. Yeah, and, and you mean a lot of these networks can already do it. You mean you've got a lot of networks there that can do NetFlow as well. Absolutely. So at least NetFlow would give you analytical information. You yeah. would do things that, you mean, segmentation networks has always been there. Yeah. We've automated it now. Yeah, there's some Network really cool stuff there, Using yeah. sort of ISE mm-hmm. and things like that, Identity Services Engine, we talked about in another we podcast. Have, yeah. But it's those sort of things, and we've been talking to customers about them for a long time. Mm. It's about making sure that they are turned on. And I think... The impression that I get when I see the press, and I, and I watch a lot of the coverage, um, like a lot of other mm. people, is people don't really understand the net. I can say I can I can relate to a computer because I use yep. one. Yeah, yeah. So I'll do focus all my. The I'll focus there. my attention yeah. on that. And actually, yeah. I never saw any interview done with any sort of security expert or anything no. like that. Really looking at it, mm. what I would call holistically and end to end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is all the pieces of IT infrastructure? That we're talking about, and nobody's. And I don't know whether I'm just being smug well, not, because I go, "Oh, look, I work at Cisco." But I just never felt that yeah. nobody really went. Who well, really understood it? Nobody really understood the whole how things communicate, how yeah. things connect. Yeah, it's not just about firewall. Firewall is great word to bandy around because people might know what a firewall is yeah, and can understand yeah, yeah. when they say yeah. firewall. But people talk about patching and endpoint, and then they're your computers and things like yeah. and pointing at Microsoft or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, it yeah. just I just don't think I really. Yeah, really got I think it. I think part of the challenge in that is that it, it becomes. I, I, 
it's just you know the world according to Mark Jackson really, but it's that it's an important it's the world. sound it is an important world. Um, it's a soundbite. You know, if you're if you've got a thirty second segment on you know a major news outlet or in a you know a few inches a few column inches to fill, then the problem is is you need something really soundbitey yeah. and, and saying well there's this thing called a network and there's this kind of segmentation thing and there's this net flow and analytics and behavior and uh, you've lost me completely. But if I can say patch, yeah, you know, and and again, it's not that I'm dismissive of patching. You know, I don't want ever people to think that I'm dismissing the the mm. the, the, the place that patching has. I don't think you have at all. So. You know, uh, but it, it 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 is the right thing to be doing. But it's not the panacea. There are other things. It's not that we the need thing to, to solve everything. Yeah, yeah, from. and it is. And like you're saying, identifying. How do you identify yeah. where the infected machines are? Yeah, what happens how the do next they, time? How do you then isolate them, yeah. contain them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what you do for remediate is is keeping them isolated until you've patched. Until you've patched, yeah, yeah. You contain, you keep it contained. Um, and it's treating it like an infection, though, isn't it? You mean if you treat it, is, it, you mean, like, it you mean all the zombie films, the <laughs> all the zombie films you've watched, and all that thing. It yeah. is all about. You mean. What's the things they do? They block mm. off towns. They yeah. isolate them. So they, they try and find patient zero. They isolate the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and keep all the infected and people usually, together. Well, they, they usually nuke it at that point. Yeah, though, yeah, yeah. Or they set fire to them. Or they, or they probably or don't want to do that. No, no. But it's it's the same yeah. sort of thing though. You just can't go. Oh well, do you know what? The zombie. You got to go around and inoculate every single individually. You're not going to do that. And you, yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. I think Get I, I, in, I'm going to steal. One. I'm going to steal the zombie uh, analogy now, rather than try and come up with another. I think zombies is a good one. Um, but you're right. That that's exactly the problem. And they're all running around the place, nuts. And, yeah, and, and, got, you, and you can't target individual ones. You've got. You see any movie zombie movie? We've got to go do zombies now. But you see any zombie movie? How unsuccessful are people? Even they might have a machine gun. Yeah, I'm going to shoot that one. And I'll shoot that one. And I'll shoot that. You should, you should, favorite right. film? Shaun of the Dead. He had one rifle <laughs> in the Winchester. Yeah. And he couldn't solve it either. Didn't and in work. the end, what do they do? They isolated themselves and then jumped in a van. And yeah. Then the army it. came. Yeah. 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 Oh, not a van. They jumped in a truck, didn't they? They yeah. did. But anyway, but yeah. there you go. We've gone <laughs> off piece slightly, but it's that sort of analogy. But it's that same principle, yeah. Unsuccessful it can be trying to stop Tra- each... Yeah, contain it. That, you know, that... And, and uh, you know, easy to say, hard to do, but that's... You know, that is where some of this automation comes into place. Um, you know, things like ICE and some of the... Um, dynamic endpoint discovery you know i heard i heard tell of a an epos a, a till oh, electronic point of sale oh, okay um you know being being infected as part of this and, and well, they're not a lot of them run windows machine run, and i tell you what windows there's, XP. there's not as there's you do see that though especially when you go to the uh in the shop and you see that 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 kiosk thing yeah. isn't working and it's just showing you a window. my credit or, card in that or even your um i see even even on uh um atms yeah yeah, there's a lot of embedded OSs in there. Again, not patched because it's not supported by the vendor or it's not supported by the manufacturer. And yeah. you see that in a lot of the clinical devices. They they're still you know so you MRI d- machines and, and stuff still have legacy. And, OSs. and there's going to be things out there that you can't patch because they're maybe just running a real basic operating system yep. like a very low Linux stack so with an IP it. stack. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to be able to contain it. And then once it's contained, then you got, but you, you can need control to. The flow in and but out. what's the one thing that sees all this information flowing around? The network. Good answer. <laughs> But yeah. it's true, though, and, it, and you sort of look at that. It's, it's a bit, you mean segmentation, yeah. and then using the analytics. But you need the analytics in the first place, and and yeah. just turning on NetFlow. You, you mean they are open source 
blooming Netflow collectors out yeah. there, you can just do that. It's, it's not perfect. No, but it gets you somewhere. And, and, and any customer out there with a, a, a Cisco network that can do it, yeah. and, and you mean most networks would be, so it'd be a Catalyst, so I'm going to get a bit producty, but a Catalyst, 3, Cat Cat, Catalyst 3K networks yeah. with LAN base or IP, uh, LAN base, not LAN base, IP base and above yeah. should be able to do it. Yeah. And certainly a lot of the old... Just turn the blooming thing yeah. on. Yeah. It doesn't, it, it isn't, Start collecting it, and and even though it doesn't, you know, again, this isn't saying that will solve your problem. It won't solve your problem, but it'll tell you how far it's been infected. But you'll be able to, you'll actually be able you to spot track your back pa- and find out where your patient zero is. Patient zero is, so, and then you see the other zombies bumming around. Absolutely, spot your zombies with NetFlow. There you go. Heard it here first. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, so, so that, they, that's they, I mean, that's just you mean like, me being a networking guy, you being a security guy. You mean obviously we, we focus a bit on the network segmentation of the network. I'm a network guy. I'm a network guy. Oh, yeah, I know you. Yeah. You're not your security guy. Too, uh. So what what other things out there? You mean because because you talked mentioned earlier on about Open DNS. Yeah, I am so happy because even though it wasn't pointed at uh, domestic networks, home networks, yeah. I'm still glad I've got um, Open DNS, DNS protecting my awesome. my home. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I mean you know you look across the main portfolio of of kind of security products. Um, you know we had a a signature out for our IPSs. Um, actually, back in kind of March when the vulnerabilities were first announced and Microsoft released patch. So we had uh, an IPS signature on all of the Firepower appliances, which would have detected the SMB uh, exploits against that SMB vulnerability. So that would have spotted it on a... Kind of an edge. Edge device. It's yeah. still perimetry. Yeah, still perimetry. The signature would obviously have had to have been enabled. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as an edge device, you'd have been able to block mm-hmm. or at least detect that that was going on. Um, but the point is that was available a long time ago, effectively when the patch was, you know, within, yeah. within two or three days. Um, you know, OpenDNS... OpenDNS was an interesting one because um, you would have seen the outbound kill switch domain being queried, and because OpenDNS wouldn't have sent back a non-existent record, an NX record, or an X domain response, it would have sent, effectively sent a block page, or, mm. you know, responded with a block page. Um, it would have inadvertently triggered the kill switch. That would have just killed it, the, so it the, malware. the malware based on the kill switch that we saw earlier. Yeah. So OpenDNS effectively was there. Um, with things like advanced malware protection, the AMP product range, um, you know, which which effectively, uh, you know, primarily will look for the file hashes. So it will see files going through the network. If it's network AMP, if it's on the endpoint, it'll look for um, executables that are running and various other things on the endpoint. Um, certainly, when when I was involved in it mid afternoon on the Friday, we already had those known those hashes were already in the AMP database. So anybody but already had, already in there, so they were already marked as malicious. Um, you know, because actually, I, I, I mean, to to give credit where credit's due, you mean they didn't? You mean the reporters and things like that didn't mm-hmm. just talk about um, patching? They did talk about and your malware. Make sure yeah, you antivirus, your antivirus. And, and the domains. They, a lot of them talked about the domain kill switch as well. Make sure because a lot of people's default behavior might have been to block access to that domain, which actually would have had. Allow it to execute, uh, yeah, yeah. Allowed it to execute and forced it to. So, um, yeah, there was definitely some of that. So, AMP already had the file signatures in there for the, you know, the strain. Because again, the, yeah, you know, inevitably, what happened over the weekend was that there were various very poor attempts at modifying the malware so that the kill switch was disabled. Yeah, uh, which of course then generated a new file hash. Mm-hmm. Most of them didn't really work. They were literally hacked about bits of code, which didn't really execute very well. Um, but yeah, all of those were in AMP. Um, they'd all been investigated and analysed by our um, Talos, our threat research organisation, and uh, and through the threat grid, automated sandboxing, and various other bits and pieces. So, you know, there was various coverage. But again, 
a lot of these quite focused on the perimeter. You know, I think I'd still, for me, for this kind of thing, for worm outbreaks, um, and, and it's funny the amount of people I've spoken to have said, oh, we, we've kind of needed a good worm to refocus on some of the skills that, that I think have gone out of consciousness. Um, what, do, what did that mean? Well, skills I, out I, of I suppose if you, if you roll back 10 years, like I say, with things like SQL Slammer, we, we were all, you know, the IT industry was fairly aware of things like SQL Slammer because it was so aggressive and it destroyed networks just purely because of the speed with which it tried to propagate. You know, it absolutely hammered when it tried to find a new host to infect. It would just be spewing out so much traffic. And if your management IP of your switch, for example, were pingable or, or reachable from that infected device, it would just destroy it. Because it, it would just, it would just keel, be keel over trying to much, deal with ping responses. Correct. Too, too much load. Um, you know, and that's the whole control plane versus data plane argument, which... I know, maybe we should run a podcast on that. <laughs> it's an old <laughs> argument, but it's kind of an interesting one to, to kind of talk about. Actually, software-defined networks. There we are. Plane, data plane separation. Um, where was I going with that? Uh, yeah, so so that whole thing about needing a worm to almost reskill and remind people that this stuff is also important, thinking about network controls, yeah. segmentation, isolation, monitoring, all of these kind of things that probably people have either ignored or thought, wow, well, we don't really see worms anymore. We see a lot of... Email, phishing, etc., etc. Yeah, there's this other stuff here that that can also happen. Yeah, and I think that has probably brought some of that back to mind. Not the right way for it to be brought back into the mind, of course. We'd yeah. rather it be there anyway. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it's sort of, I suppose, you've got to utilize these environments to re-educate and, and get people yeah. to understand that these things can be done by tweaking a few knobs on your routers and switches. You can actually raise the bar a little bit further. That's so, really good. So. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about? No, I think that's it. I think we've covered it. I think we've covered about you know what it is, what it happened, my denial of service attack from internal employees. Which <laughs> and we've is, got zombies in. And zombies. we got zombies in. Did we get anything else in? No, I think that was about it. Zombies were the uh, redeeming feature of this podcast. Well, it was, isn't it? Because you just think about now, is it, what, the first infected zombie coming in, yeah. and then you go, what would you do? You stick your container, wouldn't you? Yeah, you need to go and watch uh, you know, Z so, Nation. Uh, yeah, no, World War Z, wasn't it? World War Z, there you go, yeah. That's yeah. another good. That was filmed in Wales. Was it really? Yeah. That was a was good fun. film. Yeah, it is good. Yeah, is I good. like that. Is that the start of the film and you just see Brad Pitt sat in the yeah. car and then next, you know, the, you can see his mirror get smashed yeah. off and then yeah. it all goes wrong. I know. Proper. Oh. And I Am Legend and all those kind of things. Yeah. Patient oh. Zero. Good Here films. There you go. There's two Will Smith films we've had in. Are you a Will Smith fan? I am. Yeah, yeah. Big Will Smith fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fresh Principal with me. Yeah. That is, well, you mean, my uh, my son is a very big fan of my book. Is both, he? both my kids can sing the whole of that uh, theme tune. See, that's it. That's 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 a good thing. It is a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for co- oh, no, coming back on. We, it, we've it's never not been coming away. back on. You're always here. I'm always here. Either virtually or in person. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's been brilliant. Thanks there very much go. for today. And no uh, thanks very much for listening. If you want to contact me or Mark, you can contact me at, uh, at Justin Woolen on Twitter or email me at justin.woolen at cisco.com. That's two O's and one L. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks.